Matt Will. No L's, just sevens. This is the bliss, licking they lips, Twitter with this, minimal risk, finity shifts, ripping off rip, quick in the hits, first on the list, this, mad will, going crazy on the daily, dropping facts like a shower in the world of rain and entertainment, yeah, another day, another pod, all these thoughts are up for size, so I had to ask him what he got, said he got a lot, said he got a lot of what, got a lot of shifts, and it's time for the daily blitz. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Daily Blitz podcast, your uh, your weekly preview for the game-by-game breakdown for all betting, DFS, starts at everything. I'm your host, Matt Williams. You can find me on Twitter at M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. Joining me as always is Mr. John Legaza over at MLB NFL Moving Averages on Twitter. John, are you ready to break down week three? And how did you like the, to the Texans and Panthers last night? Man, I just love football, although, Matt, I really don't like Thursday night football. Of course, you know, the entire fantasy world and football world in general collectively side when CMC went down. But Dems are the breaks. And, man, maybe there's a conversation to be had at some point today. We'll talk about that Carolina backup situation that you and I spoke about coming into the season. So, you know, you always do, do have to prepare for these things. I hate seeing players get hurt, especially, you know, the Ferrari, the F1 McLaren in this thing. But I, I don't yeah, I know, it kind I know of stinks. It's a, I, football, I know it's a discussion online, but uh, I don't think it's I, I don't see it as a competition. I think it's Hubbard. It's not Freeman. It's Hubbard. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you're right. The thing I was worried about. And I, if you remember early on, I was talking about drafting Hubbard because I didn't think McCaffrey could stay on the field. And I thought we were buying low on that potential usage. And then I was worried that he couldn't catch the ball. And they threw him the ball a bunch of times. So I'm with you. To me, it's all systems go on Hubbard. Yeah. And they'll, they'll, I mean, we'll see how long McCaffrey is out. But yeah, he's, he's obviously the guy to grab in your leagues, everybody. Uh, if you're in a deep enough format and you're desperate, you, you know, no no reason not to pick up Freeman. Hubbard is definitely the guy. Freeman, you don't want to blow a waiver claim on. Uh, you don't want to blow that much fab on. Uh, but if he's a, is he if he's available in your league, if he's being ignored, uh, if someone didn't use a waiver claim and he's sitting there, yeah, you can pick him up. I wouldn't expect much. Uh, but yeah, he definitely shouldn't be someone that's probably sitting around until we for sure see what's happening. But Hubbard's the guy too. Uh, to definitely invest in. All right. So jumping into week three for everyone who hasn't joined us for the entire year, what we're going to do, me and John are going to go through every single game and John's going to give you a little bit of a breakdown of the point spread and uh, any best bets for the game. If you want to uh, just bet on the game. And then we're going to look a little bit at the player pool within for uh, start set and DFS purposes. So without further ado, John, what is the first game on the slate? We're going to talk about well- All right, let's see. We got the Bears going to Cleveland and the Browns. This one, of course, you know, the big story was it's going to be Fields time, right? So it's Justin Fields time. So you kind of throw away all the tape that I watched. Again, my claim to fame, Matt, the feather I've been sticking my hat this season. I'm watching every single snap of every single game. I haven't completed it this week because I do have some time, but I've seen a ton of it. I did see these teams. I am a bit confused. The money line here, the Bears are getting plus 270. I Do I really think they're going to win? Maybe not necessarily, but the line is kind of broken, and that is one place that I think you can make some money on. Small bet to have the Bears win it. They were pretty good. The Browns kind of disappointed. You know, it's just what it is. The Browns are very one-dimensional right now. You lose Beckham, he's out again. They lost Landry. They are extremely one-dimensional. I would tip my hat to Baker Mayfield. I think he's played 
very well given those circumstances, right? Landry could still be the kind of guy you can revolve a offense, at least from a volume standpoint around. He's very good with his hands. He's going to get first downs. Then you lose that piece. So I'm kind of off of the Browns passing game. He spread it all over the place, Matt. I don't think we can feast there. Bears defense had been pretty good. You know, the negative 10% pass DVOA, the 8.5% adjusted sack rate. They've played pretty well. I think they're going to pair up well against the Browns passing offense. So, again, I'm not really looking for much there. I think the pieces in this game are probably fields, right? He's going to be really chalky. And then I think you have to like Nick Chubb. I mean, really one of the purest runners in the game. And they just designed these plays so well for him where he can hit a home run at any given time. Go ahead, Maddie. Yeah, over on the DFS side, quarterbacks you want to stay away from. I mean, Baker Mayfield uh, is facing a team that forced uh, Joe Burrow to throw three picks last week. He's without Jarvis Landry. Odell Beckham Jr. is back. We don't know what to expect out of him at all. Uh, so overall, yeah, they, they're, they're going to be uh, leaning on the running backs per usual. That's their calling card. Justin Fields as, as the other quarterback, he's going to be chalky as all hell. He's going to make some mistakes. He's a rookie. Uh, I mean, they'll be going downfield a lot more, and there's a chance this pays off. But even at 5,200, there'll be way too many, uh, way too much ownership percentage on him. So I would, uh, I would fade both quarterbacks. As far as the running backs, Nick Chubb, you can never go wrong with at only 7,600. Uh, the only thing is, I think this will be a rather low scoring game. So uh, Hunt is definitely out because I don't know if he finds the end zone. Uh, and David Montgomery is, is a definite out for me right now. Um, the Cleveland, you know, Cleveland, uh, their their defense isn't maybe quite as stout as we are hoping, but uh, again, they're they're holding uh, opposing uh, running backs pretty low, and then wide receivers. Uh, I am off of fields. I think Robinson is interesting enough because again, he has like no air yards this season, basically due to Andy Dalton. I expect him to go downfield more, but because Fields is a highly uh, owned player most likely in DFS. Oh, well, Alvin Robinson as people will love to do that little stack. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. will, of course, be probably one of the <laughs> at 5,300. I would think people are going to try to sneak in there in GPP. So he's not as sharp a play as you think he is because he's a, a low floor, uh, high ownership player. Uh, my favorite one of the game is maybe Darnell Mooney at 4,300. But again, uh, I expect it to be higher than usual ownership because uh, of the you know the the excitement around uh, Justin Fields, uh, so I, honestly, I'm not going to be playing this game too much. If anything, I think in GPP you might want to take a shot on the Cleveland tight ends <laughs> because without Jarvis Landry, um, you know he can't go deep every single uh, play to. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. So I think Austin Hooper uh, at 3,600 and David Njoko at 3,500. You can look at either of them. Hooper, I think, is the option to go with, obviously, for only $100 more. Uh, they've been kind of used pretty evenly. But uh, yeah, I think if you want to just throw in a very cheap option that is probably forced into a game plan uh, with Jarvis Landry out, those short yardage will be going to Kareem Hunt. They'll be going to Austin Hooper and so forth. So uh, yeah, I don't like this game in DFS much, but I think uh, there's a cheap, cheap, uh, Cheap tight ends might be the uh, the way to go. Yeah, I think that plays into the very same narrative I was talking about, playing close to the line of scrimmage. And again, for a tight end that you can get cheap, if you get any kind of volume at all, that'll pay the bills. Again, real quick, that lesson I love, I use that four times method, Matt, that I talk about. So briefly, people, if you have 50000 in salary, you really want to pace 200 points if you want to do damage on DraftKings. So take the 1000 
of salary, multiply it by four to get yourself a pace. And that's how you could translate cheap players into a projection for that pace, right? So if you get a tight end that's going around 3,000, you only need 12 points. And if you think they get into the end zone, that's pretty attainable. All right. I, I think that's it. I think the really good point, Matt, that you make is with Mooney. Again, you got to be careful with the pass stats with the quarterback change, but he was leading the team in air yards, so he's not forgotten. And I think he makes for a good pair, though I think my love for Fields is more revolved around the running floor. And I think you could just one off him because of the salary relief he provides. Again, that four times scoring Fields at 5,200 for him to score 22 points, he doesn't really need to be great. All right. One thing thing we didn't talk about at at 3,200, which I expect him, even though with all the cloud of hilariousness uh, around Justin Fields, I shouldn't say hilariousness, excitement. uh, There's reason to be excited. I mean, uh, I'm, you know, he's going to be good long-term. I think Uh, people are going to be really regretful, especially the jets, maybe passing on him in the draft. Um, And the Browns defense, I think, is a beautiful play at 3,200. Uh, this will not be a, a secret. Uh, the, ha- the half of the people that aren't in on Justin Fields are going to be in on the Browns defense. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to be like the top um, the top rostered uh, defense of the week, but I think they'll be near the very top. Again, only 3,200. But, uh, again, they, they lock down the run, and they're probably going to force a rookie into making some mistakes. There could be some defensive points on the board here for sure. Man, excellent, excellent point. Cleveland Browns coming in at a minus 40 and a half rush DVOA. That's top five in the league. Over to the Washington football team going to Buffalo where they circle the wagons like nobody else. Buffalo got off the mat in week two. And I mean, they looked really crisp, but Miami lost to a and they look really bad. We'll get to them later on. Buffalo again, a really good team kind of getting up off the mat facing Washington, who's already lost the quarterback. I think Heineke looked better than we thought, but it's the defense that I'm looking at in this one, Matt. People like to bring over their narratives. One of the you know off-season narratives was Washington defense. Last year was very good, which is true. This year, they really have not been. They're in the bottom three in defensive yards per drive. That's 43 per drive and three and a half minutes time possession per drive. Both of those near the bottom, also a 76% drive success rate. And I think that's why you're seeing the line Washington getting plus 290, where before I thought maybe that was a misprice and we could see that one go the other way. This one, no way. This one is, I think, is Buffalo and the seven-point cover. I'm surprised it hasn't moved to seven and a half because of the Washington D. And Josh Allen in an awesome spot for me. I love getting these MVP caliber guys, Matt, coming off of just okay games, you know, kind of buying low. He went from 179 and two, five attempts on the ground for 35. This one feels like we get right back to that 275 with a couple scores. And, you know, I think he can run any given day. What do you think about this one? I, I love Josh Allen uh, for a couple of reasons. I mean, Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes is literally running up and down the field on Washington. And yeah. Washington is, is a good defense. But I think in a lot of people's minds, they're blindly regarded as like an elite defense that you just automatically do not attack in fantasy. And that's just not the case here. Um, Not only is uh, Josh Allen because of his wheels, and we saw how that was exploited against Washington. He's only 7,000. So I think he's a a beautiful guy to throw out there. Uh, But, you know, uh, Stefan Diggs is probably going to be getting uh, Benjamin St. Just in this one. And he 
is not very good. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, again, in Washington, everyone's given blind, just blindly gives them the wink that they're, they're pretty uh, solid and you shouldn't attack them. But 1.86 yards per, uh, per route covered is not very good for Benjamin St. Juice to get Stefan Diggs. So I think Allen and Diggs is a nice little stack. Uh, if you wanted to go all the way, I guess you can go Dawson Knox at 3,400. But again, we're going to talk about a million tight ends I'd rather have. So um, I, I wouldn't call it like a you know stack. It's usually three players. I would call this a pairing. Uh, go with Allen and Diggs is perfectly fine. Uh, I wouldn't stay. I would completely stay away from the running backs in this one. Singletary and Moss. I mean, Singletary looked like he could have been the guy, but then Moss gets the goal line carries. We don't know how that's going to go. And Antonio Gibson at 5,900 seems like, you know, this could be the only opportunity to grab him this cheap, but you know, it's not a, t- it's not a solid matchup for him. And we don't know that usage with him and McKissick. Uh, and we want to get a handle on that before really investing. So I, I would stay away just because the-, the floor is so low there. We don't know if they'll find the end zone. So yeah, overall uh, just on the Buffalo side, I like Allen. I like Diggs. Um, uh, and then it's season long. I, I don't mean to scare anyone off the uh, the Redskins here. Uh, I think Taylor Heineke is actually a very sneaky player. This just isn't the week to do it. Uh, if yeah. anything, if he has a little bit of a, a, a you know a, an average um, outing here, it'll make me more gung ho to use him in the future. Maybe a little bit of the shine will be off. But you don't want to be using him. Uh, but in season long, obviously, still roll with McLaren. There's like he's at must start every single week. Uh, just just not in DFS this week. Yeah, I I have one little GPP Hail Mary again. I'm going back to the well. Only again, strictly in GPP, looking for the home run in this game with Emmanuel Sanders. You're getting the super cheap salary, 4,200 on DraftKings, and he's only 15 yards behind Stephen Diggs in air yards, racking up 18 and a half percent of a target share. You know, those are. Those are the kind of the numbers that I like to look for. Again, maybe without the production. Something I think people do, Matt, maybe too often in DraftKings is, or DFS in general, is try and chase last week's statistics, right? The guy who just went off, of course, really looks juicy. Very rarely is it repeats of the wide receiver one. We kind of we saw that with um, Indianapolis last week. Let's call that our segue, right? It was not... Michael Pittman week one. It was Michael Pittman week two. We got the Colts going to see the Titans for a divisional game. This one, another pretty large spread. And this one, I think I'm calling BS on this one. The Colts are getting plus 205 and five and a half points. I like both of these plays for sure. Tennessee showed us the winning type of Tennessee football that we thought you know, we might see it points. And Matt, you know, I'm on record. I posted that Tennessee uh, money line at plus 250. They came through. It was a bit, it was a bit of a headache. It was a bit of a headache. The problem here for me is this Tennessee defense. They're really, I mean, they're really bad. They've gotten exposed basically every week. Bottom three in total DVOA at 29.8%. Bottom five in yards per play, 405 yards per game. The pass DVOA is near the bottom, just across the board in all passing allowed statistics. And Indianapolis has been a really competent offense. We know the line play is really good, but they're just really balanced, Matt. They do everything well, and a quarterback that puts the ball in the right spots can move it, and I like the run game. I think this is another one. I think Indianapolis might go in and upset Tennessee because of that Tennessee defense. What do you think goes on in this one? 
I think that the quarterback situation in Indianapolis is so scary that I don't want to touch that with a 10 foot pole is it looks like Eason could temp- could theoretically be running the show, which would then make it the Jonathan Taylor show. And he hasn't really shown me enough to think I could trust him, especially in DFS and neither I can with Naheem Hines. So uh, can I, I get I, fooled I, on player news. You know, I normally call BS on a lot of injury stuff and I assumed, I assumed he was playing double double ankles uh it doesn't matter uh literally i don't know if carson wentz playing is any better <laughs> so <laughs> i i mean i'm not leaning that on easton whoever plays I, I i don't really want i agree with the uh this could be just an ugly game and the tennessee defense is terrible uh it's just a matter of i'm not exactly sure where that production is going to come from so uh, i will stay away in dfs the um I do think that uh, Derek on the other side of the ball, like you said, Indianapolis Colts defense hasn't been anywhere near as good as uh, people were hoping it would be. Derek Henry will obviously after last week be highly, highly, highly owned at 8,600. I I think he'd stay away from that. He's fine every week. I I mean, if you use him, he'll be fine. I'm not telling you to avoid him. I think the plays here are the wide receivers on Tennessee. I'm not too gung-ho about um, Tannehill, but if – if you wanted to go that way, you can. It's just I don't like any kind of stack here, so I'll stay away from him. I just like um, Julio Jones is fine at 6,500, which is, uh, I think, severely underpriced the way the Colts uh, secondary has played as far as uh, the pass game. And A.J. Brown at 6,500 is one of my favorite plays of the weekend because he leads the league in drops, and that's not going to happen. I mean, it's not going to continue. He is uh, getting a healthy target share. The Colts defense are probably going to allow him to give quite, you know, is, is are going to give up a lot to uh, this Tennessee game. I think this could be a little higher scoring than people think. I think John, you kind of alluded to that. So yeah, AG Brown is 6,500 people have been down on him, but I, I'll be sliding him to most DFS lineups because yeah, I expect, I expect this to be the AJ Brown game. Like, Hey, remember me? I'm AJ, you know, fucking Brown. That that's, I think that's the game versus the Colts. Well, I absolutely love when we're in lockstep. He's one of my top plays as well. I mean, he's leading the team in target percentage. He is leading the team by a mile in air yards, 255 to Julio Jones, 184. A.J. Brown firmly entrenched in the offense. And again, the Wall Street monster. I like to buy low. I don't like to chase last week's stats. We saw 449-1, then three for 43. This one smells like it could be a big one. And one last thing about... The Indianapolis defense, it's just hard to paper over that dead last in adjusted line yards, that all-important line stat. That defense is struggling up front, stopping the run, and the Tennessee run game is just getting going. You know, the Colts allowing more than 120 yards on the ground per game so far. So this one's set up for exactly that, for Henry to do his thing, and then the Colts to try and come back the other way could be a ton of scoring, but again, that Indianapolis quarterback situation is you have to circle, and it's why I haven't put my money down yet. I'm waiting to see. Without If Wentz is playing and guys are healthy, I, I expect him to finish a game. So I could see getting 205 people, but if he's not out, I don't like to go with rookie, new, inexperienced quarterbacks. Not really my thing, you know, and it's not really a path to profitability. All right, next up, I know a lot of people have this one circled. You mentioned it very briefly. It's the birds from Atlanta and the Dirty Dirty going to MetLife Stadium to meet the New York Giants. This one is a matchup of some pretty bad defenses, Matt. So people automatically are expecting good offenses. The offenses haven't really been good 
either. The Falcons near the bottom of the league in offensive yards per drive at 23. They have a minus 52 rush DVOA. They have a minus 35% pass DVOA, not really doing anything well. It's the movable force and the stoppable object. I think the obvious play here (laughs) is Daniel Jones. We're hearing a ton about him. I think coming back, you have to like Kyle Pitts. I keep going to that well because the price is so low, and I think the potential is there. Giants, of course, having a history for not defending the tight end. Is this one that simple? Uh it, it could go either way, man. Uh, I, I, when I first saw this, I'm like, all right. Uh, I saw the pricing. I'm like, Matt Ryan at 5,400. I'm looking at Calvin Ridley at 7,000. I'm looking at Kyle Pitts at 4,900. I'm like, all right, I can stack these three up. The thing is, uh, as, as much as the, the teams or the people want to give the shit to the Giants, I mean, James Bradbury, Adore Jackson, uh, they're, they're not slouches. The secondary is actually a little tough. Um, but at the pricing, I think you can go, I think you could still stack this up for Atlanta and hope for a bounce back in a GPP, because I still think even though they're all talented players, they'll be, you know, they, they still won't have incredibly high ownership. I think Kyle Pitts will, I think people are onto that at 4,900. I expect him to be one of the more heavily, uh, owned tight ends all weekend. Um, the, uh, I think that I think the Daniel Jones Sterling Shepard. I think that is a pairing that is definite. That is a that is very solid. I think Jones has shown the ability where he's kind of cut down on the mistakes a bit, and I don't think he's going to be making too many against the Atlanta defense, which I think is you know truly trash. So yeah, Daniel Jones Sterling Shepard I think is a beautiful pairing if you want to try. To stack that up with a pass catching back in Saquon Barkley, you can try. He's only 6,500. He looked bad last week, did have like a 40-yard run. I think people try to, or, or after the game, we're like, oh, see, you should have sat him, which I actually did sit him. Uh, I think I, I, I sat him in a couple of leagues, which worked out for me. But I saw that 40-yard run, and I was like, oh, no, I've made a mistake. I uh, didn't get much after that. But people are trying to make the excuse that he – had some kind of limited usage. He was on the field for like well over 80% of the snaps. (laughs) He was on the field last week. I think more than Christian McCaffrey was last week, not this week. Uh, So um, again, I'm not advising that. I think this is going to be a monster game. I think it's 6,500 at GPP You can go Jones Barkley and uh, maybe Sterling Shepard to make some noise against the Falcon defense that completely blows. Uh, And the last thing I'll say is avoid the, uh, the Atlanta run game altogether. Mike Davis, I don't think maybe necessarily, uh, finds the end zone and G in, in PPR leagues. Um, he'll, you know, he has a higher ceiling cause he catches passes, but Cordell Patterson, who everyone is like the darling of waiver wires, he's not going to be catching many balls out of the backfield. Actually. I mean, he's just going to be running it. And I think at 4,600 splitting time with Mike Davis uh, against the giants, I think this is just a trap for anyone who thinks like, all right, he's going to have a couple of big plays. I think, I think you avoid that altogether. So, um, uh, yeah, I think you can try to take advantage of low pricing on Atlanta before the uh, eventually, hopefully, that their uh, offense explodes. Stack up Ryan Ridley and and Pitts. You can try to sneak in. You can try to sneak in um, Russell Gage if you want, but he has a questionable tag, and we don't know. We haven't really seen him involved too much. So yeah, I think those are the guys to go for. But again, my favorite, I think, yeah, is Daniel Jones, Sterling Shepard. And if you want to be sneaky Barkley, because I don't think that many people are going to have the confidence to start him this week, just make sure you're not leaning heavily on him. He's a guy you sprinkle into a portfolio, not a guy you lean on. Well, Shepard is a great call. Another guy I've circled as uh, we were talking about this before we went on, man. I think it's it's good info. It's about 
right uh, adjusting your analysis to the style of play, you and I are both pretty simpatico in, I would call it limited play, right? We're into single entry, maybe three entry max, smaller tournaments, because we're trying to actually win money. Again, the pipe dream, the $3 to win the million is always fun, but realistically, that's not happening. So I generally do talk about a very narrowed focus approach, and Shepard fits into the most narrow focus. I mean, he has just been an absolute target hog, 27.5 team target percentage thus far. That's one of the league leads, and it's showing in the game log, 7-1-13-1, and then 9 for 94. This is the man to own in the giant secondary, and again, Atlanta doesn't really defend it well. I think you can go either way. I think you can go with Jones to Shepard. I think you could one-off either of them because of the price. So I think I'm going to have some exposure to the Giants in probably all of my lineups, which, Matt, is not probably something I thought I'd be saying. But it's week three. Here we are. All right, let's move it. The Chargers leaving the perfect weather, going to Kansas City. Chargers coming off what was just perfect. Matt, it was so perfect because it was right. It was the the Chargers and the Cowboys in 95 points guaranteed on the board. And, of course, the opposite is what happens. So people narrative ranges of outcomes all these things matter the Chiefs are giving the Chargers seven points Matt right off the bat I generally think of the Chiefs as a cover team but I think of the Chargers as a winning team you know as well so I see plus 250 and plus seven my gut is leaning with the Chargers right now and it really has to do with the Chiefs defense something that I you and I spoke about coming into the season the defense that they were able to rely on later on just really hasn't showed up. They're allowing 469 yards per game, nearly seven and a half yards per play. They have a 37.7 total DVOA. All those are at or near the bottom 45 yards per drive, 83% drive success rate. This is not what we expected. It's one of the worst run defenses in the league and the pass defense Hasn't really been great as well. Now, I know there's some volume that comes with being the Chiefs defense, right? If we're going to assume that they're the other problem for the Chiefs is they cannot run the ball at all. But, Matt, the Chargers are good at stopping the pass and not good at stopping the run. There's a lot of punch, counterpunch. I see going on here. So there are a few ways that this one goes. What's your initial take at this one? Because it's easy to say shootout, but I can see both of these teams trying to establish themselves on the ground. I actually do see a, a shootout coming. I do. Um, I think that this is one. I, I usually don't like to totally attack the, uh, the consensus like high scoring games because of ownership problems, but I love it on the Chargers side because for some reason there's this stigma that Justin Herbert's having a bad year. I mean, it's out there. Everyone's like, oh man, he's been disappointment. I mean, do you disagree with that? That people think that Herbert has been a disappointment for what they've expected. Yeah. So far? Well, luckily, luckily for me, Matt, I'm watching all the tape and looking at the box scores. And I know that he has a season low of 337 passing yards, which is pretty good. I know people want more touchdowns. It's just not always like that. That's just, it's yeah. just not how, how, how it shakes out. Yeah, three, they have three, three turnovers. Three. 337 in week one and then 338 in week two uh and where i come from we call that good 
uh, only two touchdowns and three interceptions, which scares people away. But like you said, you can't, you know, you can't force everything. The fact is that uh, his, his receivers have dropped six passes this year. And um, there has been six different penalties called on his own like offensive line. If those were reversed, he'd have four more touchdowns and about 200 more yards passing. And he'd probably be like the darling of fantasy football right now. Uh, the uh, the Chiefs can absolutely be scored on. Herbert is only 6,500 to Mahomes 82. And I don't think anyone's going to try to mistake in Herbert for Mahomes. But I think in a game here, as far as the game script, game script goes in DFS, that's a little bit disrespectful to Herbert. Uh, Austin Eckler got involved in the uh, pass game uh, last week. But not only that. Roundtree and Justin Jackson are like on a milk carton. This guy actually has a near bell cow role here. So yep. not only on the ground, like you said, if they're going to attack on the ground, um, you know, they, uh, you know, in at any point, he's also being used to the air. So you can actually stack him up as a pass catcher with Herbert, but in alone, he's a, a great play at 7,200 by himself. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, again, at 66 and 6,400 equally disrespected at that price. I think they're beautiful to throw in. And also Jared cook, who is maybe just a little high at 3,900. I could see the game script and them trying to concentrate on Keenan Allen. Mike Williams is obviously a matchup nightmare and so will Jared cook for them. Uh, he would need to find the end zone. I do like that play. It's a little, a little expensive for me uh, considering other options, but yeah, I would, I would go with a full stack of, of chargers in this one on the chief side. There's, you know, no surprises. You can always, you can always go with Mahomes, Kelsey and Hill. It'll never be a problem. I think that McCole Hardman after his game, I think at 3,900, he's actually a fairly easy uh, no play for me because he does probably typically need to find the end zone and that's no guarantee. I think he'll be a higher rostered player for poor reasons. And Clyde, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, it's not that they're bad at running the ball. It's that they refuse to do it. <laughs> um, I, I would want to be, a, I would want a piece of this at 4,800 because I really don't believe in his backups. But again, Darrell Williams is only 4,700. But the problem is even if they get down to the end zone, it's not like the, the looks in the red zone are going to go to Clyde Edwards Hilaire. They haven't proven that. So at 4,800, I think there's a bad taste in people's mouth and you could take a shot. You can uh, just know that the floor is literally like nothing. Uh, but I think it's it's worth enough because we last year when uh, Hilaire first started out, they were feeding him and feeding him and feeding him. And the thing is that, they, you know, they've really needed to pass the ball early in this season. If this somehow, you know, turns into a close game where they maybe need to control the ball at all, I could see them maybe finally uh, getting Hilaire a little more involved. Uh, again, I'm not trying to sell anyone on him. I think it's season long. He's very risky. But in terms of you're trying to get cute. You could certainly see a game script where Clyde Edwards has a Hilaire. Uh, what the hell did I just say? Clyde Edwards Hilaire has his best game of the season to date. At forty eight hundred, you can take a shot on it. You know, you don't need a, you don't need him to be like, um, you know, you don't need him to be a standout magnificent. But you know, if he can, if he, if he can somehow, um, you know, find the end zone in this one, and they they finally lean on him a little bit to give him a little more work, I, it's it's not the worst attempt in the world. Uh, so anyway, uh, not to leave you on Clyde Edwards Hilaire, because that's a sad note to leave anyone on. But yeah, the, the main thing is the Chargers here. Herbert's being disrespected in that price of 6,500 scream start. And I don't think that it'll be a, uh, I don't think it'll be a thing that'll be uh, too high. There's There won't be ownership high enough to, I think, steer you away from it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to fade the Chiefs this weekend at my own peril. 
the Chargers pass D has been very good, and they just shut down one of the other, you know, elite passing offenses. CeeDee Lamb did a little bit of work as far as volume goes, but everything else they really shut down. I mean, Chargers only allowing, you know, less than 200 passing yards per uh, per game. So far, if you're leading the league, it's a buck 77, only 18 and a half completions per game. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to let people pay up for the chiefs. Of course they could do damage. I think if there is this game that they don't score 30, this would be it. So I don't know if I have the charges to win this one outright, but again, I just love the plus plus two fifty so much little gambling note for people. When you get plus two fifty odds, you don't have to win very often, Matt, to make money. And that's that's the best part of it. You really don't. I like the plus seven. I wish I was getting that extra half a point. I probably wouldn't pay for the extra juice. All right, let's move it on to the next one. Uh, another one I know a lot of people are talking about as far as fantasy and daily goes. I'm not really seeing it. It's another divisional matchup. It's the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh is the favorite, minus 165. Bengals getting plus 140. Yeah, this one should be pretty close. I actually think it's a bit closer than that. You see the plus three, and that shouldn't give you any kind of confidence as a Steeler fan. This Bengal team actually has been pretty good. They've been pretty surprising, particularly with the line play. Um, They did lose, but it was penalties, and it was poor play Early on, Chicago did kind of show up. And then, you know, you get a guy like Fields coming in, it really throws off a defensive game plan, right? It's just not – it's just unconventional. And it was still pretty close. The Bengals really made a run for that one at the end of the game. They're one of my favorite kind of sleeper teams this year, Matt. The offense has just been okay. But like I said, they are picking it up, and we've seen it in bursts. The story here is probably the Pittsburgh defense. They've been really good. Lots of league-leading stats here, man, particularly against the rush. We know Bengals like to rely on mixing, so I think that's where my main question is for you. I know you're an opportunity guy when it comes to daily, as well you should be, but Steelers run D, no joke, minus 42.5% rush DVOA, 2.86 adjusted line yards, 3.4 rush yards per attempt allowed. They've been very, very good. The pass D, not as good. I wonder if they're going to try and tempt Burrow to throw a ton. We've seen him throw picks. He had three last week. What? How do you think this one kind of plays out? I know the divisional kind of narrative is generally dogfight, but I think both of these teams might be looking to throw against the other. All right, so here's the thing. Big Ben has sucked this year, and he's yeah. playing injured. He tore, tore his, uh, his pack or whatever, slightly torn pack, uh, so he, he'll, be, he'll be running banged up if he does. Uh, I think the story that we didn't hit up as far as defensively is Cincinnati uh, as far as the run. Uh, Pittsburgh's been brutal running the ball. Cincinnati has not allowed much on the ground at all. Through two weeks, Dalvin Cook and David Montgomery have managed to total 95 yards combined uh, against the Bengals here. So I think that this could be a lot more low scoring than we get credit for TJ Watt, not playing for Pittsburgh, yep. uh, which could they make things a little easier for, uh, for Cincinnati. I think that a sneak, I wouldn't mind throwing in a sneaky stack of burrow with, with pretty much any of his pass catchers. I think Tyler Boyd is highly underrated at 4,700, especially in any kind of a PPR scoring format. So I think you could throw two, throw those two together. Uh, personally, I would throw them with Higgins as chase seems to be boomer bust. His week was saved by a touchdown. So at 51 and 47, I take Higgins Boyd and uh, Burrow. If you want to go another direction as a very inexpensive stack, I 
don't like Najee Harris in this game. As I said, Cincinnati uh, has been pretty good at stopping the run. Najee Harris, even though he's on the field every single play and had this fantastic run, he won that mean uh, or was angry runs. You ever see that? on uh, NFL network where they highlight yeah. like all the best I don't oh, know, that was brutal. That was great. Uh, but yeah, I expect him to have another tough game here versus uh, Cincinnati for, you know, Pittsburgh has uh, Deontay Johnson is out. Uh, so they might want to lean on Najee a little more, but again, uh, it might be to their detriment, but they will, I think be throwing from behind, which could make chase Claypool and Juju Smith Schuster um, decent plays. If Deontay is out, the only problem is I think Claypool at 5,800. I don't want to say he'll be the highest owned player because, you know, it's, it's very, it's very odd for a non ace wide receiver to be like the total chalk, but he'll be very, 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 very chalky in this one. Um, And then Juju needs to find the end zone, I think in order to, uh, to, to return value. So I'll be out there, but you can certainly use them as standalones game script dependent. Um, That brings me back to the guy that you don't like too much. And that's Joe Mixon. I think that with DJ Watt out, which that's more of a pass rush issue for Burrow, but I think in general, Cincinnati, I think is actually going to be up in this game, even in Pittsburgh. Um, And, or it'll be close enough where I think Cincinnati is going to want to try to take advantage of just the ground and pound and run out some of that clock. He he may not be as efficient as uh, the next guy, but it's 6,300 in a game. I project to be lower scoring than people maybe hope. Uh, I think Mixon will be heavily involved. Uh, You know, he could easily, you know, maybe find the end zone. Possibly he'll be using the pass game. We know we will. So it's 6,300. Again, we talk about like, you know, respected return on investment. Uh, You don't need to get a ton. If he finds the end zone, it's a lock for him being worth the value based on how much volume he's going to get. So Mixon, it's not going to be pretty, uh, but uh, he's, he's a, he's, I think a safe floor with, you know, and if he finds the end zone, it's all cherries on top. Yeah. Well, I was glad that I prefaced mine with, with that, because that that's, not saying like that's always your argument. It's a very good argument and it's worth using all the time. Opportunity is everything. He's getting all the looks. The one thing that I'm surprised it, it was the, um, to take on Jamar Chase, who I I particularly like a lot. Um, no, no, I, I, I like I like him. I just said I I prefer the other two only because well I Higgins think- is bang up and he hasn't practiced for two days with his shoulder. Mm-hmm. So I think today it's we're recording Friday. Yeah, At the very least you have to keep an eye on that. Yes. But even with all of those players out there, um, Chase still has a better than twenty percent target share now granted it's the lowest of all three of the wideouts, so i do want to put that into context however he's leading in air yards by a country mile his 196 to higgins 138 and he also has double the a dot of the nearest one. Oh, oh, oh. Chase, can, I, he- can, I, can i interrupt you real quick because i've seen this um this isn't too this is my argument uh because i've seen a lot of people use a dot i think for quarterbacks you want high a dot for wide receivers. It doesn't impress me as much when I see uh, a high a dot. It just means that you're the deep threat. Um, well, lower- the targets are there. I think, I think the, 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 the I think you're right. I think you're hundred percent right in a vacuum, a dot, not a big deal, but I think when it came with a 20% target share, I think it becomes relevant. Yeah. Oh right? no. It's uh, it was more of an interesting thing. I want to talk to you about almost like the Robbie Anderson thing where, Remember, he was always the deep threat with Sam Darnold yeah. in New York. He comes to Carolina. His dot shoots down to like eight or nine. And now this year it's up to 20. You know why? Because he's he's only being thrown too deep, and that's not a good thing. So I just wanted to just throw that out there for some people. That yeah, yeah. Shoot down, 
Uh, yeah, not to argue your analysis here, like you said, the A dot is combined with shares. Therefore, right. he's getting a ton of a ton of uh, a ton of targets that are downfield. But yeah, A dot alone. I just wanted to give people a uh, just. It's it's a popular new, newer metric that people are leaning on. Just uh, yeah, make sure you have that um, that that extra narrative, like you said, you have the actual target share. But high A dot does not equal fantasy value. Uh, sometimes it's a bad thing to have a high A dot. Yeah, that's the uh, Deshaun Jackson, right? He probably had a yes. 58 A dot because he, they took one shot to him down the field every game, right? So, yes. yeah, exactly. A dot, A dot in a vacuum, really not. It's really not all. But I, I, I generally wanna, draw the I, line. I, I, I wonder if you agree. Is 20%? I, I love the number 20. I don't know. Sometimes in trading, we get hooked and we have to understand that we, you know, as humans, we use kind of psychological levels. But 20% always feels like a safe place where I'm like, okay, this is, you know, that's at least the usage. Yeah, though you want your top, you, you want to be above 20. Uh, usually these, the guys where uh, the alpha usually tries to sit around like 28 or above. Uh, Higgins, I think, is sitting around 26%. But if you're above 20 on a high volume team, that's good. Except the Cincinnati, I mean, do we consider them high volume with the amount mixing is, is? I don't know. That's another thing where people talk about target share. You do have to look at total number of targets because that's always the thing with Mark Andrews uh, versus uh, where people were trying to argue against Kyle Pitts. Like, oh, well, so-and-so is going to have the, uh, is gonna be, have the, could lead his team in targets. Um when in regards to Mark Andrews versus Kyle Pitts, and this is me not shooting down Mark Andrews. This is just me talking about this argument. Uh, Kyle Pitts, yeah, he may not lead his team in targets. It could be Calvin Ridley, except they're going to be throwing the ball a billion times, whereas the Ravens aren't. So what do I care if you're leading your team in targets where uh, another player who's third on his team in targets is still getting more targets? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, well, that's one of those. It's, it's, that's funny because it's true. Um, all right, let's move it up. The next one, it really has me kind of scratching a bit. I'm curious to your take. It's the Ravens going to Detroit to face the Lions. The Ravens were the big shock for me last weekend with all of the injuries. They were able to, you know, they went and they they beat the Chiefs. I was, frankly, I was shocked, especially if you were to tell me the Chiefs were putting up 35, which I'm not surprised at. The fact that they lost, I was surprised at. Lamar was just incredible on the ground. Something I think is kind of maybe hard to replicate. You know, to rely on broken plays. If there's someone that can, it's him. I'm a little worried about the pass game. We saw Hollywood Brown emerge. I, I'm just not in love with the Baltimore's offense, to be honest. I think, listen, Jackson is awesome, and you can one off him in any game. I guess especially against Detroit, who really hasn't played great defense. I'm wondering your take on the Detroit offense, Matt. We've seen then maybe outperform what we thought, you know, and there are some, uh, there's a lot of throwing going on because they're down. We've seen Swift look really explosive. And then Hawkinson has looked incredible. He looks like a wide receiver one. Speaking of which the lions are probably without one. I mean, I, I guess if I had to, it looks like Cephas is going to be the guy. So I think that's a possible GPP play. He kind of stepped up last week and was getting some looks. Like I said, we're expecting Baltimore to score, Detroit to have the ball. What do you think comes in this one? I, I don't I don't think Detroit has a chance to win, but I'm still worried about the Baltimore injuries, and I'm not really looking for a cover, Matt. What do you think on this one? Uh, Detroit, uh, they came back in week one against San Francisco. They have the ability to, if you're not paying attention or, or keeping the reins tight enough, they will catch you. Uh, so I think that's a possibility. Cephas I like only if Tyrell Williams is out again. Okay. 
um, because that's why I think he exploded last week. I think if Tyrell Williams comes back, maybe Cephas doesn't necessarily get the volume necessary. TJ oh. Hawkinson is uh, going to be force fed the ball in a 5,200. That is entirely too low of a salary. Yeah. Uh, if they triple team him, he'll probably still get enough work uh, in order to merit that. So uh, TJ Hawkinson, all systems go, but again, that won't be a secret. I'll stay away from the running game in Detroit uh, for this one because, you know, I do expect them to be behind consistently. That being said, DeAndre Swift should be in the passing game. At 5,800, you can try to let him go, but, you know, he's, he has his own injury problems. Um, but, you know, if he is good to go with his groin, you can always give it a shot because he's talented enough to make that 55 or oh, 5,800 grow. Um, my The main thing here, yeah, is in the Baltimore side. Lamar Jackson is going to be chalk beyond chalk against Detroit, probably to shred them up. That being said, uh, I expect them to be up. Uh, so uh, it may be turn into a false chalk because uh, I don't think they're going to let Lamar Jackson run up and down the field the entire game. Uh, if the game is in hand, uh, that is also right, okay. a, 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 that is also a false thinking though, in some points. And that's a lot, a, a lot of times people were fading the chiefs last year because of it. A team can do a lot of damage in one half. Right. Uh, and Lamar Jackson could do more than enough to, to merit actually taking him at 7,800 versus the Lions, even if he's only giving full effort for one half. Uh, the real thing that people should be keying on there is the, the running game of the Ravens other than Lamar Jackson. Ty- Tyson Williams is a 5,800. Latavius Murray is a 5,300. Let me tell you, I was so sad when I saw 5,300 for Latavius Murray. I was hoping for less. I was hoping to get something lower and I'm like, all right, he's definitely fine in the end zone in this one. What do I got to pay? 5,300. Damn it. Oh, yeah. uh, so Tyson Williams at 5,800 is the guy to go for here. It's unfortunate that he's going to split the carries with Murray, but if anyone's going to break open a, you know, um, you know, a massive gain or, or take this one over, it is Williams. So the only issue there is I think though he will be uh, heavily rostered. So there is a little bit of a chalk thing here, but 5,800 it's cheap enough where I think he's definitely a well worthy play. I think Murray is still someone maybe you want to sneak in there 5,300 only because, um, you know, if you can't quite afford another player, that $500 makes a big difference. And he could, he could easily find the end zone multiple times in this one. So he is someone that for that cheap, I could see him drastically out earning his potential. But um, if you can't tell, I'm not really interested that much here. I think there's good pricing for Williams. I think there's good pricing for Hawkinson. I think Lamar Jackson's going to destroy. But again, I think all of these things are somewhat obvious plays. And um, I think for the amount of chalk behind them, the ceiling I'm looking for isn't quite there because Jackson capped by game script, possibly Williams capped by Murray, possibly Hawkinson triple teamed, possibly. Uh, I think, I think they're all worthy plays. I just think their overall ceiling may be, may be capped, which is, I think going to leave me off this game, which I think could be like a snooze fest. Yeah, it, it definitely has a it definitely has a potential, which is funny because obviously Lamar Jackson is one of the most you know exciting players ever. If I could point to one thing that probably backs up the the Hawkinson play, I mean the, the competition has been very tough, but obviously they've you know they faced two of the best, but they've struggled with tight ends as much as you could struggle with Waller and Kelsey, right? I mean, it is two of the best. Now you're getting the third best. So they haven't been able to stop that. So I think Hawk for the price is, is probably the big discount for me. Oh, for sure. Okay. Let's move it up next. 
Probably more of a defensive game here. Oh and my the board God! We didn't talk, to... Sorry, we didn't talk about Mark Andrews five thousand. I for some reason I skipped right by him on my notes. Uh, yeah, if you want, if you wanted to uh, attack something, yeah, Mark Andrews is due back for a uh, for a big bounce back game at some point here. We know Hollywood Brown, um, you know, finally showed us to what he can do downfield, but he yep. is uh, he is dealing with a little bit of an ankle issue. I don't think it'll hold him back, but if um, they're going to be trying to do with some a little more short yardage things. If they're going to try to keep the ball moving, throw the ball in the middle of the field, uh, you know, keep it on the keep it on the field, uh, then absolutely, I think Mark Andrews, who is actually coming in at five thousand, which I think will be the absolute rock bottom price for the entire year, uh, he is someone I think will be overlooked, especially with Hawkinson only at fifty two. Uh, yeah. That I mean, I'm not I, Hawkinson. I think is definitely easily the better play on paper but if we're talking getting you know making making moves to try to get yourself in a, a little slightly contrarian position i mean the fact that you can actually take mark andrews as a contrarian play is a little of a, a, a bit of a joke but i expect him to kind of show up in in this one so for five thousand, i absolutely love that too all right moving on to saints yeah new england <laughs> yeah i mean that, that that is a really good point it's funny it's for a player of that quality they get lost in the weeds but hawkins at 52 andrews at five thousand pitts at 49 and then Noah Font we'll get to him a little bit at 48 so that chunk right there is where I think I will be and probably advising everyone to be looking for your tight ends there's gonna be there's a hundred targets just right there so yeah you can easily easily start two tight ends in in DFS this week use another tight end in your flex it's a it's a week to do it if you're ever gonna absolutely 100% agree providing it's a, a guy like Hawk I I talk about him like a wide receiver one you know they don't really have a wide receiver one. Even a guy like Kelsey has a better passing option than him, and that's not you know the case there. Um, next one looks like defense. Like I was saying, the board agrees. One of the lowest totals at 42 and a half. People that don't get much lower than that. It's the Saints heading up to New England. Yeesh. I mean, New Orleans offense, they got a pass, and you know, the Packers kind of imploded. And Winston had a ton of touchdowns without the yards. So it's easy to, you know, winning is everything. Blowouts are great to say, okay, I watched the entire game, Saints at Carolina. I think if you're fast now, we're seeing the Carolina defense is probably pretty legit. But still, the Saints did absolutely nothing. I mean, nothing. They could not get Camara going. They could not get anything going. It was an absolute disaster. Patriots defense, on the other hand, has been excellent on both sides of the ball. Going to be a tough one for the Saints. I mean, maybe Winston fooled us, Matt, with the preseason production. Let me just talk about the Patriots offense really quick. It's very boring, people. They're a much better real-life football team than they are for fantasy or daily. You see that in the pace per play. Also, I really should have mentioned the Saints dead last 32 and a half seconds per play, and then dead last in yards per drive. The Patriots are near the bottom in seconds per play, but then they're near the middle in yards per drive. So there's another one to go towards the under. I really like the Patriots offense, Matt, for what it is being a real-life vanilla offense. Mac Jones, to me, looks like the most poised rookie easily so far. I've watched them all play every snap more than once. He looks really, really good. They're not asking him to do too much. He passes on the deep threat sometimes, but I think 
You know, Damian Harris and John o. Smith, he's surrounded by the weapons that a player like that needs. James White as well is excellent out of the backfield. So I like the Patriots to win. They're, I guess, a slight favorite for the NFL, minus 150, giving three points. I'd much rather just play the money line here. Matt, do you think I missed on the Saints? Are you expecting a bounce back from the offense is the main question. No, James Winston sucks. Um I think that, and I think that Sean, I, I mean, he, he was efficient against the Packers week one, but he only had like 146 yards or whatever it was. It wasn't a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that what he was in week two is what he is. I think Sean Payton's going to try to keep the ball out of his hands as much as humanly possible, which equals what? Alvin Kamara week 8,200. I know Bill Belichick likes to key in and take away your best player. And that is obviously Alvin Kamara. And that could spell trouble, but he is very, very talented. He's, he has been uh, having a, a rough go so far this season. I think at 8,200, which is an expensive play, I, I love him this week as a he's going to be run into the ground. They're going to get everything they possibly can out of him no matter what. And I don't see New England being able to take advantage of New Orleans offensively enough to uh, somehow get ahead and force Jameis to throw the ball. So I think the, uh, the world is off Camaro because of his slow start. And the talent is worth starting against anyone. I think the game script keeps this on the ground for, for uh, New Orleans, and that's where I think Peyton's going to want to keep it. So I think that Kamara, even in a tough matchup versus New England, um, you know, obviously their, their secondary is a little more tougher. Uh, I think 8,200, absolutely love Kamara. Uh, I, I'm willing to pay up for 8,200. Damian Harris on the other side, he's been good. He's actually been uh, a revelation as far as missed tackles this year. I mean, he had one of the best runs last week, but uh, I think uh, against the Saints, it's not necessarily a good spot for him at 5,600. He doesn't have a lot of pass catching ability because James White's on the team. 4,900. A lot of people may shy away from him because of his big week last week, thinking it'll be high ownership. I don't care uh, if he is. 4,900 is cheap. Mac Jones likes to keep it near the line of scrimmage. Yep. And I think versus a tougher Saints offense, James White's due for another really nice game. And at 4,900, that is a beautiful spot for me. Uh, so I think I love Kamara and I love James White. Wide receivers, I'm not really too happy with. Obviously, if I think Jameis is trash, so do I think his wide receivers are. Jacoby Myers is fine at 5,000. Um, again, I think the Saints are a little more difficult, so it's going to be a difficult matchup for him and Nelson. But um, even though Mac Jones, like we just said, he likes to keep it near the line of scrimmage, he likes to keep it short. He has like 146.8 passer rating when throwing to Aguilar. And at for 4,600, if he can connect on a deep one, that could make a, a make a pay uh, play off. So I would I would say. Um, He's a, he's a nice GPP play because uh, Myers isn't really, I mean, he kind of needs volume to kind of pay off. And I think in this matchup, it's not necessarily going to be there for him. Aguilar can really make up ground in a hurry, especially with his speed. So um, the floor is lower, but in a, in a GPP, I think Aguilar makes for a, 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 actually a very interesting play versus the saints. So again, quarterbacks avoid love Kamara, love James white. And I think Aguilar is someone that I would maybe take a shot at if you're looking to fit in something different. You think they win this one? You think they go into New England and the Saints beat the Patriots today? Oh, Sunday? I think that New England is going to win. I think it's going to be a good game, actually. But, uh, yeah, I think New England wins. Yeah, I, I have New England by a touch. They're really – again, I'm a Jet fan, so I kind of have to analyze them. about mashing my teeth a little bit, but they're doing a lot of things really, really well. And if we think there's progression coming for Jones, if he just opens up a little bit, they could really be excellent. Again, watching a ton of tape, he has selected 
to play it close to the line where they've had men open deeper. So I, I think there's a little bit more in store for the Patriots offense. You know, they may be sprinkling some uh, chocolate covered pretzels into that vanilla soon enough. All right, let's get to the next one. It's my new favorite team. Everybody, besides the Jets, it's the Arizona Cardinals going to Jacksonville. This one is the point spread. I just understood the least. Let's say Cardinals are favored by seven and a half on the road. I get it. There's some traveling. I don't care. I don't have this one at least three or four or five points further off than that. Again, Arizona is just, they're ridiculously good. On offense, the Jacksonville Jaguars are kind of poor on defense, minus uh, a 14% total DVOA, of course, for people unfamiliar with some of the advanced stats. Positive stats are bad. Negative stats are good. They're allowing 425 total yards per game. Pass DVOA is in the bottom five, almost 300 pass yards per game against Kyler Murray, who, if you haven't checked, is amazing. He went for 289 and four, then 403, and he adds an element on the ground. I don't know why this one is within seven and a half for me. It's, you know, Kyler Murray all day, every day, Matt. If you don't go with one of those cheaper rushing floor options, for me, Murray is the A1 this week. The price, he is the highest priced, but for only $100 over Mahomes, give me Murray by the country mile. His weapons are kind of hard to choose who it's going to be. Everyone loves more. I watched that game. I get it. He's going to be really good. He was the product of broken plays. Those things happen with players like Murray, but we cannot predict them. Hopkins is an every week kind of guy. 454 and one as an off game is pretty good. It all came in the front end of that game, but it goes to show you about the availability of the weapons and Murray's ability and willingness to spread it out, Matt. So for me, this one's pretty easy. It's Murray as a standalone. I even like the Arizona defensive line. They kind of got smushed a little bit by the Vikings who played really well, but then that line showed up at the end of the game. They were able to get the W. So is it as simple as K1 or nothing? Yes. Uh, Yeah. Jacksonville is going to get crushed. Just crushed in this one. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have it too, yeah. There's some people that are like, oh, well, they'll be behind. Maybe Trevor Lawrence can throw. Yeah, he's going to throw. He's going to throw a lot of interceptions. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, stay away from this entirely on the Jacksonville side. Uh, Kyler Murray at 8,300 will be worth every single penny you spend on him. Um, Arizona actually runs the ball quite a bit, which I think may shock some people. Uh, they, they actually have uh, – They've run the ball on uh, over about 35% of their plays. The only problem is if they're going to be way ahead, James Conner is going to get the ball, which his upside is limited as far as what kind of usage he'll have. Chase Edmonds is the guy you'd want in order to score in a, in a, in GFS. But you know, this game could be put away and get put away in a hurry. Uh, as far as a stack goes, it gets insanely complicated. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins was like, you know, third or something on the team in, in targets last week. He's safe to find the end zone at 8,200, so it's not not bad. But I think eight, I think his salary makes him almost a poor play in DFS week to week because it could be Kirk. It could be Rondell Moore. It could be A.J. Yep. Green. Freaking Max Williams yep. uh, had like eight or seven or eight targets as a tight end. Uh, we saw that, uh, you know, who else we saw make the end zone. Uh, we saw, I don't know. So they're going to, the point is Arizona is going to use a lot of freaking people. 
And you can stack him with Edmonds, hoping that, you know, uh, his 100% catch rate holds on. And you could put him with Rondell Moore, who, again, at 5,000, he finds the end zone. Boom, you're golden. Uh, I think that's a fine stack as well. Uh, You can put him with Kirk. You can put him with Hopkins. It's all fine. Uh, The only issue is there's a there's a decent chance you fail because the, the ball can go anywhere. At least if you're investing in a stack, you, you want to invest in a stack where you're hoping that if the team goes off, you are automatically going to do well. The Cardinals could go off and you completely shit the bed by picking yeah. the wrong people. So I'm not necessarily excited to stack this up because of high ownership and, and high volatility. Uh, I think Kyler Murray is certainly a standalone safe option, but I don't know if I'd be like rushing to um, – to, to, to stack this thing up too much. I mean, Max Williams at 3,200 is interesting. Anytime I see an M Williams, I, 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 I want to throw him on my team, but uh, I, I can't see what we saw last week happening again. That being said, they looked his way a lot. So at 3,200, if you get, you want to be cute, you could take a shot. Uh, I think that even after last week, no one's going to be looking his direction, but at 3,200, if he finds the end zone, it's like, poop free value. Uh, yep. it, but again, they, he's, he's like the seventh option on this team. <laughs> so again, uh, long story short, uh, Kyler Murray is the only one you can really count on. He's worth every single penny of the 8,300. Yeah. I, again, I I'm expecting this to move at least a half a point, uh, to minus eight, at least I I'm just a little surprised. So sometimes, you know, you get perceived gifts, at least I felt the same way about last night's game. I didn't think it could stay within eight points. Hey, I by had the way, goal- what do you what do you think of these teams? By the way, like in, in in redraft, I stayed away from teams like even Tampa Bay. They had they have uh, Godwin, they have Edmonds, they had Antonio Brown. I didn't draft any of them really because right. I was worried about this kind of crap every week. Um, we already know Mike Evans can disappear from time to time, but it's impossible to hold that many people above board in fantasy from week to week. And Arizona is just a different version of that. Maybe not as late as those options I said, but there's a few teams in the NFL where it's like, how can you possibly support these guys every single week? And that's what annoys me more in season long. Cause you have to do start sits and like, you know, you hate taking zeros, but in DFS, it's just as annoying. Um, yeah. You know? <laughs> so I, I just, how do you feel about that in general? Just, you just like cream rises to the top or do you just, do you just think, all right, this is going to be a lot of points. I'm going to get my shares and I'm going to hope I, I spend or, or would you rather go in something where it looks like a little more defined? Well, it probably depends on your approach. So for a player like you or I, if you're in a single entry mode of thinking, then you have to go with the quarterback on those teams. And what you're describing, that is why people mass enter because they don't, you don't know who it's going to be and they want the different combinations to try and hit. So yeah, in season long and single entry, I avoid the wideouts and I know, uh, Dane Spittin' Speeds always used to talk about this, um, the quarterback being the shepherd in those situations and going for the shepherd. You know, you knew, like you you described it, it you feel like you know it's coming from Arizona, you don't know where, so you kind of go with the engine of Kyler Murray where he has to drive that production because you don't know where it's going to go. I think as much as I like Hopkins and I think he has a great floor, you're right. He's very hard to pay for because they could do it without him. We even saw last week that came out, went right to him, and then he became the decoy for the entire game as Murray spread it out. So that's in their quiver, right? That's in the arsenal, something that you could see. So for me, yeah, it's Murray or bust. I was watching Jacksonville very closely, Matt. You nailed it with the picks. Lawrence, listen, it's not to say he won't be good. 
they have not protected him well, and he has made a lot of bad decisions and thrown a lot of bad passes. I think they're in a ton of trouble, especially if that Arizona defensive line shows up. When when push off his spot, Lawrence was the worst quarterback in the National Football League, and to me, it was not even close. He just again, it's what you expect from rookies. People put too much pressure on these young kids, so I think he'll be fine going forward. But yeah, get me away from the Jaguars. And seven and a half points is about half of what I need to get to put my money on them. Let's move it up next. We get the J E T S Jets, 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 Matt going mile high up into the altitude to face the Broncos. Yikes! Do the Jets look bad? I talked about. Poor rookie quarterback play. Zach Wilson is at the four of that. He looks atrocious. Denver is actually a good team. I know people don't like to hear that because Bridgewater and their style of play is not necessarily sexy. Talk about vanilla styles. They are a churned, a slow churned, handmade type of vanilla that's really good. That does not mean I think the Broncos are a 10 and a half point favorite or worth laying 600 bucks to win 100. So get me away from Denver on the board. As far as daily and fantasy goes, I think I think Denver is going to do work. I think they're going to do what they do. They kind of operate very slowly. So there's that vanilla. They are near the bottom of the board in seconds per play, 32.2. But that they're near the top of the board in yards per drive at 46 and time of possession per drive, nearly four minutes. So those things to me equal – Denver winning in a low-scoring game that might not be worth going for anybody outside of, you know, a running back or a tight end. I don't love the running back. So for me, I have it whittled down to give me Noah Fant in this one, and that's probably it. So to you, do you like Fant, and is there anything worth touching on the Jets? In particular, people want to know about Corey Davis. Uh, Starting with Denver, man, I would – I wish I could project more points to this game because I would love nothing more than to stack Teddy Bridgewater at 50, 58 with <laughs> Portland Sutton. It's only 6,000 with Noah fan at 4,800. I may still do it. I mean, it's so cheap that yeah. I may stack that up, take the low scoring and then spend my money elsewhere because it's, it's cheap enough where uh, I think you can take advantage of. The only problem is Tim Patrick can certainly come in and mess up your work. Um, you know, at 4,900, you could certainly mix him in there. KJ Hamler could catch a long one. I mean, there's a, if you're going to, if you're going to stack a low scoring game, you got to be correct uh, because there's not going to be many scoring opportunities to bail you out. I'm going to pass on Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams. It's that 50, 50 timeshare. I'm not sure I want to invest in yeah. uh, going over to the Jets side, Zach Wilson. Hell no. Uh, running backs. Hell no. Right. There is one of my favorite plays of the of the week that no one seems to know exists. His name is Braxton Barrios. Yeah, if, oh man, leading in target chat. Yeah, if if uh if Jamison Crowder's out again, which is insanely important when it comes to him, always watch that. Uh some people like to look at target share and not understand why. Uh yes, he's leading the Jets in target share significantly. And, uh, you know, with 30, 39.3% freaking target share uh, in week two against the Patriots. But again, that is because he's coming out of the slot with Crowder out. So you want to make sure that's there. The only problem is at 3,900, Elijah Moore is at 3,800, which makes me sad. I wanted Barrios to be cheaper, but DraftKings is a savvy and they're pricing him up just enough to make this interesting. Uh, if Crowder was in, I think Elijah Moore 3,800 would actually be a, a, a sneaky option to maybe finally have his first, you know, significant game, um, at 39. I, I don't know if I'm totally happy with that. Uh, 
for Barrios, it almost makes it like he needs to find the end zone, which is definitely no given against Denver. So I think I'll just avoid the Jets altogether, uh, which is sad. And you said Corey Davis, everyone wants to know about them. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you go there uh, at all, even at 5,000. I mean, it's going to be so low scoring. And Denver's going to be probably keying in on Corey Davis there. So I think that um, I think it's season long. He's, he's a fine, probably flex option because of how talented he is in DFS. Uh, you know, the, the, the Broncos secondary has only allowed 18 fantasy points per game to wide receivers, uh, and he needs some big plays to get this done. So, I, I, I mean, you can go there because the ownership will be like near zero. And at 5,000, he only needs like kind of one big play. I just don't know if uh, if Zach Wilson's going to be able to make that happen. So I, I would think I'd, I've named some other options I'd rather go with. And so I think Corey Davis, I don't think will be one of them. Yeah, I think sadly, I think people get away from the Jets, get away from them altogether, just get away from them outright until they show you anything in particular going up against a good defense like this. I mean, Denver is one of the better defenses, only allowing 251 yards a game, four and a half yards per play. They have a negative rush DVOA, net minus 30. They have a negative pass DVOA. Not many defenses do that, only 184 passing yards per game, 5.3 yards per attempt. And Matt, so again, I'm watching the games, not to beat that, not to beat that dead, like not that that means everything, but I again, I like to add a little bit more. If one person does, I like to overdo. I learned a little bit about watching tape and taking notes with a high school coach. And here, let's just just look at some of the the Jets notes as I watch this game. Wilson bad decision maker, back foot throw interception one, dropped balls interception two, wobbly duck interception three. Airball interception four, and that one was with good protection. So you know what's funny? Uh, again, you may have watched tape and said, "Oh man, he just stunk." But I like to look back at just these simple notes will remind you just how bad they were. They ran the entire gauntlet, and for me, that last one, Matt, is the most important note because there are there are tipped balls that are not your fault. Then there are wobbly ducks with protection that are your fault. Wilson looks awful. The Jets have really struggled to establish any kind of run game. And just to build off that, just to touch people, it's not as simple as, oh, the running back stinks. If you had a good running back, you'd be better. Run schemes are important. The timing is important. The run, the Jets play calling is very bad. I was joking on the internet. It's three yards and a cloud of dust, Matt, without the three yards. It's just... It's really, really bad. You cannot get behind the Jets. And, you know, what's the opposite of homerism is just being a Jets fan right now. It's really bad. People don't don't just don't even touch it. Don't be cute and try and take points. Listen to Matt and stay away from this one. Yeah, I think this one is an easy other. Okay, next up, another one that, man, you got to take a lot of the notes and the the tape, Matt, and probably throw it away. The Dolphins who just lost Tua, he's named out. Going to Las Vegas. And I'm stuttering a bit because not only are the Raiders, who are 2-0, probably undisputedly the biggest surprise so far, beating Baltimore 33-27, being Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh 26-17. Matt, the biggest surprise to me on this betting board, the Raiders are favored at home, okay, but only by three and a half points to the Dolphins who just got shellacked. They have nothing going on offense. And let me just one more because I really want you to take this one. This one just has me like whipsawed a bit. 
the market has actually moved this spread from plus four. I think I may have even seen plus four and a half. It's now three and a half, meaning the money is coming in on the Dolphins on the road without Tua against the Raiders. I'm not getting it. I'm not saying I'm necessarily a Raiders believer here, but I watched them. They play a very good balanced style of play. They beat good teams. Why are they only favored by three and a half to the Dolphins? Uh, well, I think the main thing here is the Dolphins defense isn't nearly as bad as, as I guess, uh, as, as it has looked, they've, they've been able to keep, they, I mean, they pretty much shut down Josh Allen and Mac Jones didn't get a whole ton working against them in the first couple of games. So Derek Carr, even though he has been like kind of in fuego, I think that people think that the Miami will kind of keep this close and, uh, I, I mean, even with Jacoby Brissett in there uh, with Tua, I Ooh. think that they were caught off guard with Tua leaving the game. They'll have a whole another week to prepare. Uh, we know that Las Vegas can definitely be ran on last week. They didn't really have to uh, do much, but in week one, um, uh, 19 carries for 93 yards and a couple of touchdowns against them. So I think this will be very low scoring uh, and it'll be very close. So I think it's just a matter of uh, people just don't believe in the Raiders. So if you're just looking for the why, I think that the oh, Raiders yeah. will be able I – w- I would bet the Raiders in this one. I think that they will be able to – I believe in what Derek Carr is doing. I think that um, he is more comfortable in Gruden's offense. I think that has allowed him to be more confident, which we talked about ADOT you know, uh, earlier. Wide receivers, it's not necessarily a great thing um, to, to look at without other, th- without other variables. But for quarterback, you do like high ADOT, um, at least for fantasy purposes. You want him to go downfield. I think he's uh, he's been known as a low ADOT quarterback during his career, and people have associated that with maybe possibly having a weak arm, but that's not the fact. He doesn't have a weak arm. He just checks down a lot because of a lack of confidence, maybe a bad offensive line over the years, uh, and he just takes the high percentage throws. This year, he's been going down the field a bit more. Uh, I, I, you know, that's uh, That giant pass to Henry Ruggs last week was a good example, so I think that um, I think Derek Carr will be able to stretch the field a bit. I think that they were are going to uh, – um, win and cover. And that is definitely something that uh, I would be looking to do on the betting side. That being said, I do think it'll be somewhat close. I don't think it'll be a big blowout on allowing miles Gaskin to be a big, uh, to be a big factor. Like I said, the, the Raiders can absolutely be run on last week. Um, Gaskin played 80% of the dolphins first half snaps and then got taken out kind of when he was like game scripted out completely but for 5400 he's kind of be one of my uh, more favorite uh, cheap running backs to roster this week so 5400 i love gaskin even though i said Carr, i think that they could maybe work a little bit against the dolphins to win the game that's practical nfl purposes as far as fantasy he could still make big plays to win this game while not giving you um the kind of statistics you're looking for in fantasy so i am literally avoiding every single player in this game except for gaskin i think he is strong I don't want anyone else. I mean, Jalen Waddle at 4,600, he can certainly um, be interesting at times. But again, if you're two is out and Jacoby Brissett is in, I don't think I necessarily want to be touching that either. I don't, uh, I don't want to want to trust my, uh, my DFS team by, by, uh, by trusting Jacoby Brissett's ability to throw deep. So yeah, long story short, uh, Darren Waller is going to get his targets, but I think it'll be a low scoring game, which I think for 7,400, you don't really want to spend up, especially with all the cheap tight ends we've talked about today. So, uh, yeah, I, I said all that just to tell you that I like miles Gaskin at 5,400, but yeah, I think again, it's, 
You don't know what's going to happen, but Matt, not only is your analysis, it's research and astute. The play fits the narrative, right? So if you have this kind of dogfight, low-scoring game, again, the board and the markets agree. The, the part I was just off on is I just – man, the Dolphins' offense is – I mean, it's the worst in the league right now, I think. You know, eight only eight and a half points a game, only 237 yards per game, less than four yards per play. Those are all worse than the league. I mean, minus 45 and a half percent pass DVOA, it's worse than the league. There's just a lot that's really bad. Again, full week of practice with percent, maybe to get something going. I don't really see it happening, but I think I'm with you. No matter what, who wins or loses, I, I don't think there's I don't think there's a gold fantasy gold here, but that lends itself to having a running back that could just get a hundred, you know, even if it took him 20 times to get there and stumbles in the end zone once or twice. All right. Next one is the one everybody wants to see. If there's a must watch game on the board, it's this one so far. The scheduling team has done a very good job of getting us a four o'clock game. You just need to see Matt Bucks going to Rams. I mean, these are got, these got to be the two best teams. The markets are loving this one. As far as an excitement standpoint, Tampa Bay is favored, but it's close, minus 130. Rams getting plus 110. This is almost a pick em. One point spread separates them. But the over-under at 55 and a half, that's a ton of action expected. I, I really don't know, man. I'm just really excited to see this one. I think if you're going to play DraftKings, even as a single-entry player, I think you have to take a lineup and almost dedicate it to this game Man, I love Stafford every week, and more so my favorite piece, maybe on the entire board, is Cooper Cup. Only 6,800. He is a legit wide receiver one right now. And listen, Bucks defense, whether or not it's game script dependent or not, the pass defense for the Bucks has been really bad. One of the worst adjusted sack rates in the league. They only have a single sack, allowing 53 pass attempts, 38 completions, and 342 pass yards per game. Sounds like a good spot for Stafford and Cup. I'm going pretty simple with this one, Matt. What do you think? I think this is going to be a massive letdown this entire game. Uh, the Rams, uh, there's there's two very good teams here, except one of them has a very legitimate defense and one has a defense that people think is very legitimate. Uh, I think the Rams are going to give Brady fits in this one, as great as he is. I think it's going to be a very difficult game for Godwin and Evans, even with Antonio Brown out with COVID. I'm not saying it'll be annoying. I'm saying from a DFS standpoint, I think that uh, you're expecting this to be in this massive shootout you know, uh, to, to go back and forth. I think that it may be a little more, a little more boring is from a scoring perspective than I think that everyone's, ex- everyone's. But now let me, let me challenge you here. Let me challenge you here. How, and and I, I, I like how I think my it's how, because even if the Buccaneers want to, they just cannot run the ball bottom of the league time of possession per drive because the rush attempts are so low, only 67 rush yards per game, zero rushing TDs so far. Like how I don't think Tampa Bay has a choice, but to throw and speed it up again, they're near the top of the board in seconds per play. Theoretically the Rams have to too, because of last time I checked Terrell Henderson's got a rib injury. So they, I don't think Sony Michelle is going to be running down the gates on uh, Tampa Bay either. So there's going to be forced, passing in this one most likely but i think in the end that'll probably that'll probably just end up being this boring sony michelle versus leonard fournette game i'm not saying that i think <laughs> i'm not saying that there's not a path to being a ton of points there certainly is i right. mean and it wouldn't surprise me if there were all i'm saying is that uh, i think tom brady has i mean th- th- 
the Rams defense is no joke. It yeah. their your inability to run does not make your offense better. It makes the Rams ability to ch- to uh to uh pass to uh to to pass rush Tom Brady that much easier. Aaron Donald sees your no running game and he's licking his chops. Uh I I just think this is this is going to be a difficult game. I mean, there's a reason this is possibly a preview of the AFC Championship game is cuz both teams are good, but you know, I I I don't necessarily see why them having no run game necessarily translates into points. I think it could translate into mistakes. Okay, so uh, how about this? Let me let me play now. I want to I want to concede, right? So I'm going to now take all that great stuff you dropped, and I'm going to concede Stafford and back off him, even in those kind of close tight games. Doesn't that fit well for a Cooper Cup who can who could play really well near the line of scrimmage with the underneath slant routes we see them so well at? I mean, him and Stafford look like they have a. Man, they look like they have a A1 connection already. So it doesn't cup at the cost just for a PPR standpoint. Isn't he isn't he perfect play no matter what? Well, wait, I I I I uh I spent most of my time breaking down why I didn't necessarily want to go over the Bucks. I didn't talk about the Rams offense yet. Um, oh, okay, okay, which, there we go. Okay. Which by the way, the uh again, I think the Rams could certainly the, the Bucks could certainly score, but remember, I'm not, it's not, this is not a me of saying fading. This is a lot of things in, in I'm talking about pricing and I'm talking about ownership levels. If, if you're going to stack a game that everyone else is, I want to be very, 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 very confident in the scoring. I would much rather, um, you know, go with Kyler Murray where I know the, the scoring I think is definitely going to be there They go with Brady. Um, you know, there's not even that big of a difference in, in pricing. So again, I, Brady, I think I'm, I am off of, um, as far as the other side of the ball with the Rams, yes, I am okay taking Stafford at only 6,400. Oh, think, there you know, we go. The, the Rams defense is far superior to Tampa Bay. This is in Los Angeles. I think that uh, I think that uh, Stafford has thrown, what, he's thrown 600 yards. He's averaging almost 11 yards per attempt. He's looking to go downfield constantly. He has Cooper Cup to allow him to go over, or, you know, take a little shorter routes constantly. It wouldn't shock me if this was the Robert Woods game. Not that you can trust him, but again, if 5,700, you could certainly take a shot. You can definitely put Stafford together with Cooper Cup. I think that uh, teams are going to get very um, – aware of that it is now week three there's no reason not to double team cooper cup at this point because you're literally staring him down and not giving anyone else a look so if anything i think that uh uh maybe this is an opportunity to take a shot on uh on robert woods man i love tyler higby and i always think that eventually when cooper cup uh defensive attention turns to cup like it should it should be higby time everyone's like oh no it'll be woods time i'm like if, if, if Stafford likes throwing to Cup and he's not available, Higby will be the more attractive op- option, not Woods. Woods and Cup are completely different kinds of players. Higby will be running uh, similar, you know, a, a little, it will be a little more similar to Cup. That being said, we talked about all the tight ends. There's absolutely no reason to look Higby's way, probably. But if, again, if you want to be contrarian, $4,000, you can't really beat that if he finds the end zone, which I think he certainly certainly could, especially without Darrell Henderson. I think he is actually pretty sneaky at 4,000 Cooper cup. You can't go wrong with, but everyone else on the planet knows it Uh, again, doesn't make it a bad play. Just something to consider. I think Stafford and cup are great. I think Robert Woods could finally be an opportunity for them to, um, you know, this is Sean McVay, by the way, even though 
Uh, Matthew Stafford loves Cooper Cup. It's not like McVay. I don't think McVay's in his ear, but like, all right, continue to hammer Cooper Cup 80% of the time. I think maybe they're going to have a plan here because uh, they want to win this game against yeah. Tampa Bay, you know, and this is a big game for them. So I expect them not to come with a, uh, a pretty bland offensive plan. So, uh, yeah, I love the Rams offense. I think you can get creative with it for sure. I do think there'll be points in this one, but Tampa Bay uh, worries me a little bit on uh, on trusting them in, in DFS. Um, but, you know, whatever, famous last words ever fading Tom Brady. But I like the Rams yeah. side of this a lot more than Tampa Bay's. Well, yeah, and you mentioned Higby. Tampa Bay was is, again, it's only a couple games, but teams have deployed that strategy of using the tight end, bringing them – to rush in and trying to go short to the tight end. So far, 16 receptions for 153 yards by tight ends against Tampa Bay. That's, you know, bottom four. So something there for Higby. Again, I I, I like your the train of thinking. We don't know what's going to happen. I, I've been – I had a lineup where I had Higby as my tight end because he's cheap, and then use one of the other tight ends we mentioned as the flex because they represent more of a wide receiver one, meaning like having Higby at the tight end and Hawkinson at the flex – Feels like that could win it again with that four times multiplier with the price. Both of these guys could easily get 20. I think Habe is a little bit less of a pop to get his. I guess you'd need 16, but still. Um, I think the Rams could win this one outright. Yeah, I think Brady's kind of pushing the market. They're human. They can lose. I just like the home team with the defense and the offense getting plus money, even if it's only up. Plus 110. This one could end up a pick em to me. Matt, we got one more on the daily board. We're rounding third. Let's slide it to home. We're on the five. Let's punch it in. It's the Seahawks going to Minnesota and the Vikings. This one is going to be another really good one. You never really know what you're going to get with these teams. The Vikings gave us some really, really good, and they gave us some uh, really, really bad. The line play was really poor against Cincinnati. Really poor, really porous. That defensive line is showing to be pretty good. Then they played against Arizona. The offensive pass pro was good. The rush blocking was good. The defense was mad, but you're trying to stop Kyler Murray. Like, how do you do that? I don't know. This one, again, like I said, is, a, is kind of tricky. It's sucking in a lot of attention because of the 55 total. Seattle is a slight favorite at minus 130 to Minnesota's plus 110. So it's an exact mirror Buccaneers Rams except for the half point in the total but it's a, literally an exact mirror I don't know how I feel about this one man I was off lock it last week because I've always felt he was inconsistent he never does it two weeks in a row he went and did it two weeks in a row the guy I'm looking at in this game is actually DJ Metcalf they have the same target share it doesn't have quite the air yards but the production hasn't been there, which normally doesn't sound like something you brag about, except if you're looking to buy low. Metcalf went 460 and one, then 653 and oh. But like I said, the opportunities have been there. So I just think with the opportunities and the input, I think we get the output this time. So I'm going with DJ Metcalf. The Minnesota side, I really haven't ended up on anybody. Matt, what's your take on this one? Uh, D- DK Metcalf, by the way. But, oh, what I say, DJ? Yeah. Um, oh boy. I D- I mean DK. He had like a thirty six or th- almost thirty six percent target share in week two. So I mean the work is definitely there. This is why I love going single entry in GP and uh, in DFS, which again I suggest everyone do, so you can stay away from the computers yeah. and everyone else putting in the, like two thousand lineups. Who uh, and this is why I kind of fading away from Tampa Bay and the Rams a little bit because I will be dumping my money in the Seattle Minnesota game. I love 
absolutely love Shane Waldron in this new Seattle offense. Uh, it's beautiful for, for, uh, for everything that I've people have been wanting to see as far as like the let Russ cook thing. Tyler Lockett's been amazing. Um, I think last year, the whole like on game off game, it was, it was out of his control. It was just a matter of game script. And I don't think it was a matter of him fading. So um, I, I think this is something that can be kept up week to week. I mean, it's only been two, two games, but again, 23.2 yards per reception, perfect wow. passer rating from Russell Wilson. And this week he gets McKenzie Alexander who so far has allowed a mere 90% catch rate uh, and uh, a little over two yards per route covered. Uh, so yeah, I think Tyler Lockett at 7,400 is a great person to just stick with Russell Wilson. I may just stack up Wilson Lockett and Metcalf. Unfortunately, that's pretty expensive. 7,600, 7,400, 7,300. Take your pick. I think DK definitely um, makes for a fantastic play. Unfortunately, DraftKings isn't giving us a break and giving us a discount. Uh, that we were hoping for again, Lockett averaging 31.9 fantasy points per game, DK 13.7. But for some reason, they're 7,400 and 7,300, probably because they they see the same things we do. Um, That because of that, I may just go to Lockett anyway, because I know it seems like chalk and it is, but I mean, I just listed all the reasons, but Kenzie Alexander is just garbage. Um, I would love to stack this whole matchup, but again, that is pretty expensive. We talked about the cheap tight ends that it could allow you to do it. I talked about Miles Gaskin, which could allow you to do it. I've literally given you pricing this entire show that'll allow you to stack up this entire game. And on the other side, too, Kirk Cousins, he could certainly do work at 6,300 against this um, against the Seattle defense. And uh, we we finally saw Jeff, Justin Jefferson come out of the woodwork. We know Adam Thielen has been. Um, money the entire season. They're at 7,200 and 6,700. I think it's 7,200. I'll fade Jefferson in this one because obviously um, Cousins has an eye for Thielen early on. And, you know, between that entire offense, I think, you know, why why pay up for the most expensive option? And then, of course, KJ Osborne at 3,500. I think that his ownership will probably take him out of the realm of my interest because, uh, you know, he. I think that even though he leads that entire team in uh, receiving yards, uh, I think that uh, more likely this will end up being a stars game and it'll go to, to Jefferson and Thielen again with Osborne, with everyone wondering why they spent all their fab on Osborne. As far as the running backs here, Dalvin Cook, if he's good to go, which is no guarantee at this point, you know, he's always fantastic and he comes into this one only costing 8400 uh, so I think because of the way he's been banged up, there's an easy way that he just gets um, eased in, or maybe they use Madison a little more. So I'll stay away from Dalvin Cook. And then Chris Carson, like usual, being completely disrespected at 6,400. And I, I would be perfectly fine sticking him in there because, again, I think this will be a very, very high-scoring game. Chris Carson is highly underrated, and he will probably find the end zone. Yeah, that was actually the player that I was waiting to see if you got back to – Carson, even with only 13 attempts, the script last week just didn't lend itself to that. He's still got in the end zone twice, 16 for 91 the week before, tacked on three catches. He's a focal point of the offense. Minnesota defense really hasn't been very good. No, uh, 4.66 adjusted line yards, danger in the bottom third. You know, they faced uh, 29 rush attempts per game and allowed four and a half yards per carries. We really aren't, you know, it's not, it's not great. So I, I think Seattle is going to look 
to work in the middle and then to kind of, again, like I said, open it up for Lockett. I don't want to be stubborn. And, you know, it, it, man, it's been volume and they've had to change with coordinators and stuff. So the key could certainly have unlocked for him to be like the wide receiver one, right? Again, it wasn't a guy who was really on early on in the season. I saw him more as boom bust, but again, try not to be stubborn. We know Russ is pretty awesome. Yeah, Seattle offense really looks like the sky is, is the limit, and they're even they're moving the ball fast, 26 and a half seconds per play. That's in the top third. So, you know, Russell with pace, a running game, and the full connection with Lockett going, they're going to be really tough to stop. I think Seattle wins this one. It just It's tough to peg a team as good as Minnesota, at least on paper, Matt, for being 0-3. So I guess before we get out of here, do you put stock into the win-loss record? Like, again, I'm a professional baseball handicapper. A lot of times people are shocked. I can't tell you a team's record because I don't care. You know, I don't I don't, I don't, don't care. Win-loss. Yesterday's win-loss to me is an independent event from today's event, so I don't, I don't want to weigh it. So before we go, do you, because Minnesota's 0-2 and at home, like they just have to win? That's the depth of some people's analysis for what it's worth. Um. No, <laughs> not really. Uh, I, I don't really buy into that too much. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have a longer answer to that. It's just, yeah. yeah I, it's, it's, if it's independent, it's independent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just independent. So, I, yeah, that's that's basically my answer. Oh, that. you should see me, man. I do the ultimate eye roll when I have to watch other handicappers use things like trends. This team has gone under three times in a row. But they underwent the quarterback change. You know, you know, there's just there's so much context to football that using general trends for me is just the lowest hanging fruit. It's way too low IQ for me. Hey, real quick, um, I, so wait, uh, do you I, think I, Seattle wins it outright? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, I think Seattle takes this one down. Um, uh, it, they're just really good, and I think that uh, you know the Minnesota has been easy to run on. I think Carson. They're they're basically uh, their 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 defense is built for the Seattle and Shane Waldron to exploit. Um, usually on a lot of these uh, shows, people don't like to give out lineups, especially if you're being like sponsored, which we're not yet. Uh, we will be hopefully very soon. Uh, but uh, as far as uh, DraftKings, I, I just wanted to write this up for people to give you an idea. Again, this isn't a lineup I'm using. I put this together in literally 45 seconds just to show you how um, you can use all the information in the show to build a kick-ass lineup. I just said I would love to stack up Russ, T, uh, Tyler Lockett, and DK, but it'd be expensive. And this is how you can do it. Uh, start Russell, Lockett, and DK. They're locked in. Right. Your other wide, uh, your running backs, uh, like, oh, how about this? Uh, we'll start with the double tight ends. This lineup I'm about to give you, which is uh, incidentally maximum salary, uh, Kyle Pitts and TJ Hawkinson. Okay. Uh, you, you, you circle in uh, Emmanuel Sanders as your third wide receiver, who we talked about. And your running backs are Miles Gaskin and James White. Uh, that gives you 3100 for a defense, which is unfortunately $100 less than needed for the Browns, which is really, really where I want to be. Um, but then that leaves you with, uh, like, you know, something like the Saints or Bears, which is, you know, <laughs> nothing terrible. Uh, you know, you spit them as a DST and boom, Russell Wilson, Gaskin, James White. Tyler Lockett, DK, Emmanuel Sanders, Kyle Pitts, TJ Hawkinson. If you wanted to pay up for the Browns defense, you can just change Pitts or Hawkinson to one of the other tight ends that we had mentioned that maybe are a little bit uh, a little bit cheaper. Again, there was a yeah, ton like Higby, of them. Higby, you can get you down, and he's a quality option. 
Hey, if you go from uh, Kyle Pitts down to Noah Fant, he'll get you there. Oh, that's another good one. You go from Hawkinson to Mark Andrews, he'll get you there. There's a yeah. lot of tight ends. So again, that's how you fit in all those uh, expensive players. Uh, there's plenty, plenty to like this week that's inexpensive. Yeah, awesome job. I have one very last lesson, Matt. This is what I love about this show is it, I th- it appeals to a really, I think it's the newer the newer form of fan that crosses all of these different formats, right? We're not just speaking to fantasy or just the DFS or just betting because I think you have to process information and then play the game that fits that. And so to betting, which I know can be intimidating to people, but one thing I always tell them is please read the board. Okay. Look at the spread and the price and then look at the money line, which is an outright win and the price. The last game we mentioned is the one I'm looking at. The Seahawks are favored by one. That is going is posted at minus one twenty. So you have to post one hundred twenty dollars to win hundred. The money line is minus one thirty. You're paying ten dollars to get your money back on a push, right? You can't. You can't win by if you win by just one, which of course is a is a realistic outcome. It's just a push, people. So the books do this stuff on purpose, knowing that even if it's Five percent of players are not going to read the board. That's a that's an actual mistake. That's like an objective mistake. It really you can't do that, right? So if you see minus one at minus one twenty and money line at minus one thirty, you take the minus one thirty because it's not even minus one and a half where you can you know you, it's just it's all about math. People, Matt mentioned it um, to me earlier on. We were talking about contest selection, another really important part of DFS. Do the math on entries to payouts and stuff like that. So, Matt, that was everything, all the good stuff, all the advanced stats, all the breakdowns, the betting board, DFS, fantasy plays, and everything with a lineup to boot, man. So is there anything we missed before we thank everybody and get it out of here? No, we're about to thank everybody and get it out of here. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the show, everybody. Uh, you know, we know these are long ones, but again, they're game by game. You can listen to them while you're mowing the lawn, while you're uh, baking a cake, while, you know, while you're, <laughs> while, you're, while you're doing whatever, dust busting the couch. Uh, yeah. So uh, hopefully you go with this game by game. There's uh, there's a lot of very interesting value on the board. Uh, very happy to be going into season three. Uh, happy for the fall to be here. Are you yep. a, uh, are, are, are you a fall spring guy? I guess, yep. Fall spring, baby. Yeah. I, man, screw the summer. Uh, I, I hate <laughs> 100, these 100 degree days, screw these 100 degree days. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, happy terrible. for fall, happy for fall to be here. All right. Yeah, me too. That's it. Thank you everybody from me, John Legaza at MLB NFL moving averages and Matt close us out. Uh, all right. I thought I did close. <laughs> hey. Oh, well, right, you hold on. The handle close, at the end. Awkward closing for everybody. Thank you for listening to <laughs> the Daily Blitz podcast with, uh, with myself, Thank Matt you. Williams, and John McKay. We'll be back next week with our week four breakdown. Enjoy your weekend. See everybody. This is the bliss, licking they lips, Twitter with this, minimal risk, finity shifts, ripping off rip, quick in the hits, first on the list, this, mad well, going crazy on the daily, dropping facts like a shower in the world of rain and entertainment, yeah, another day, another pod, all these thoughts are up facade, so I had to ask him what he got, said he got a lot, said he got a lot of what, got a lot of shifts, and it's time for the daily blitz.